welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Cole Wissinger. Good morning, Cougar fans, and happy Saturday. You made it through another week, and boy, was it a great week to be a Cougar fan. Not only has the football team just been on a roll, but some of the other BYU sports on campus have been having some good luck as well. The women's soccer team is in the NCAA tournament now, and they defended home turf against the Boise State Broncos. It was 5-1 to one last night, earning them another game at home this Thursday night against Louisville, and... If they win that one, we get another game and another game, and we'll see how far that they can take this. And then also last night, while soccer was wrapping up, TJ Haas hit a buzzer beater for the basketball team to lift our Cougars over the Houston Cougars by a score of 72-71. to Today on the tailgate, we'll be taking a look at this week's football opponent, the Idaho State Bengals, with a guy that used to take the field with them, and also get to know one of the most popular mascots in the country. But let's get it started by taking a look back at last week at the game that boosted BYU's record above 500 for the Baylor first time this under season. Center with trips to the right, center snap, double throw, Simon downfield, Bushman makes the catch, 15-10, he's going to go in! Touchdown, Matt Bushman! From Micah Simon! There's been no shortage of trick plays for the Cougars these days. I'm not sure who enjoys these plays the most. Simon, who gets to throw it back to his days as a prep quarterback. Bushman, who almost always seems to end up on the receiving end. Or the fans, and me, and you, who just love to see him. And as long as they end well, I'm happy with everyone being happy. We all know what the fans really care about, though, is wins, and that victory over the Flames last week meant the Cougars now have three of those in a row. Buckshot Calvert and the Liberty offense took little time to show that they were the real deal. They took the opening kickoff and efficiently moved down the field for a touchdown on their opening drive. The Cougar offense had no problem keeping their momentum and rhythm from last week as they put together a solid drive of their own to start off the game. Mike Simon started his big day with a bang as he fended off a little pass interference to make a big 47-yard catch. Two plays later, Romney once again found Simon, this time on a little bubble screen for two yards out that tied the game at seven. After a Liberty missed field goal, the Cougars once again drove down the field into the red zone, but this time they couldn't quite finish it, and they had to settle for a Jake Oldroyd field goal to put him up 10-7. to He's still reliable, folks. The Cougars would lead the rest of the way, but not without a little drama creeping up. BYU would add to their lead before halftime, though, with that aforementioned double pass from Simon to Bushman. Then Liberty came out of the locker room with a score and looked to have BYU's offense stalled at fourth, fourth and, two and two around BYU midfield. Goes to pistol, Katoa trails Romney. Now to the left hip of Romney. The hand clap, the belt high snap, the sprint left, the throw to Hefo, the first down and more. 35-30, 25-20, he's gone. 10-5, touchdown, 11 Hefo on fourth and two. It's a 41-yard score. Once again, rolling the dice pays off for BYU, and they went up 24-10 to with just about four minutes left in the third quarter. On Liberty's ensuing drive, Buckshot connected with his favorite target all year and definitely for this game, Antonio Gandy-Golden, for a 41-yard touchdown. The Cougars would have great field position to start off their next drive and looked like they were about to score again, probably put it out of reach here. But a Romney interception gave the ball right back to the Flames, who had a chance to tie the game. The Cougar defense came in clutch, though, and forced Liberty into a quick punt. This time, BYU was able to put together a touchdown drive as Baylor Romney found Moroni Loulou Pututau from 17 yards out to give him a little breathing room early in the fourth quarter. With time now starting to become a factor, the Flames once again made it a one-possession game as Calvert hooked up with his tight end, Zach Fouts, for a 13-yard score. The Cougs were aggressive as always on that next drive and tried to put the game out of reach when instead of going for a field goal, they uh, did a little trick play that it didn't work out so good and it left the Cougars short. Liberty got the ball and had a chance to go down and tie the football game. But the defense came up again. Liberty was quickly forced into a fourth and 21. And Buckshot 
tossed it down the field, but the pass bounced harmlessly off Gandy Golden's hands to seal the victory. Micah Simon led the Cougars' receiving core with seven receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown, catching to go along with the 44-yard touchdown pass he also threw. Romney put in another good performance in relief with 262 yards through the air and three touchdowns of his own. Baylor has played well, and Micah Simon's even been throwing the ball well, but it looks like Zach Wilson is healthy and ready to go today against Idaho State. Our players believe in each other, and they believe in, in the cause. They believe in, in, in why they're here. They believe that they're here for a, a purpose, and, um, and and part of that purpose is to play football to win games. But the other part of that is to maximize themselves and then be the best person that they can possibly be. Now, the one thing that it takes is hard work. That's the one uh, common denominator in all of it is that we have to work hard. And when you work hard, you have a chance. Bengals of Idaho State will be rolling into Provo to play the Cougars this week, looking for that big upset. The Bengals come out of the Big Sky Conference of the FCS and are sporting a 3-7 record thus far this year. Last week, they suffered a defeat at the hands of Eastern Washington's Eagles. The Bengals ended the first quarter down 3-2, you know, your normal football score, but would be outscored 45-3 the rest of the way out. Idaho State produced over 400 yards offense, so watch out for that today, but they were crippled by turnovers, and we know our defense can be opportunistic. The Bengals are looking for a big rebound this week and a monumental upset that is the dream of any FCS squad. When we come back, we're going to chat with a former Idaho State receiver to find out what's going on in that locker room and what it's like being the underdog. Stay tuned. Did you know former Vikings defensive end Jared Allen played college football at Idaho State? He led the NFL in sacks twice and was voted first team all pro four times. The opposing team's fight song means we are going to dive into the traditions of the Cougars' foe today. And we're going to do it today with an alum. In 2014, Madison Mangum hauled in 83 passes for 1,234 yards and 10 touchdowns, helping to lead the Bengals to an 8-4 record, their best record in the past 10 years. And he's on the phone to give us a peek into college football in Pocatello, Idaho. Welcome into the Cougar tailgate, Madison. Thanks for having me, Cole. Now, to start off, let's get the easy thing out of the way first. Madison Mangum, that name should be very familiar to Cougar fans. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Uh, yeah. So uh, most of my Cougar Nation knows my, my younger brother, Tanner. Tanner was the quarterback at BYU for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a couple years older than he is, and I played ball up at Idaho State. Um, I'm one of five kids. Tanner and I are number four three and four of those five, and uh, we're from Boise, Idaho. And and there's other Mangums around Cougar sports as well, right? Well, uh, yeah, my older brother, he played football back in the day, and then my younger sister, uh, Abigail, she uh, she actually played basketball at BYU for a couple of years. Uh, she actually recently just transferred up to Westminster up in Salt Lake, so she's no longer uh, at BYU. I mean, the Mangum family has given BYU sports uh, some good memories, and so we appreciate your parents. <laughs> I appreciate them as well. So you say you grew up in Boise area. Give us a little uh, geography lesson for the state of Idaho. How far away is that from where Idaho State is in Pocatello? Yeah, so Pocatello is on the east side of the state, um, and Boise is in the, the west side of the state. So it's actually about like a, like a three-hour drive. Uh, from Boise to Pocatello, not not too bad. My parents came to every single home game. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's 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 not too far. Okay, I'm gonna have you put on your historian hat for just a moment and educate us about Idaho State football through the years. So the past couple decades um, have kind of been a, a rough rough spell for Idaho State. There, it has not been known as a as a winning program. 
I know that if you go back to the 70s and 80s, they actually were a very uh, strong program. They, they won a lot. And uh, I believe they even won a, a Division One AA national championship back, back in, I want to say it was 1980. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'd have to look that up. Sure. Um, but I'd say over the past five years, um, like you mentioned before, in 2014, we had a really good season. We went eight and four. We got second in the conference, and that was the best season in a long time. And I know the coach over there right now, uh, Coach Rob Fennessy, is doing his best to, to get the team back. You know, they're not quite at the top, but they're certainly not at the bottom. So they're kind of making their way up right now in terms of uh, where they rank in the conference. History is one thing, but your perspective's unique for what we've had here on the Cougar Tailgate because you were in the locker room. You were a player. And so what are some of the, the weird superstitions that the Idaho State team had when you were there? Take us into the locker room for a second. I mean, we, de- we definitely had a routine every game day. We would have a, a big team meal together probably about four hours before game time. And... uh I guess this was something kind of strange is that our coach, he demanded silence during that meal. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of a weird thing. We we would eat in silence. We weren't allowed to like um, talk or joke. I I shouldn't say talk. We, you know, we, we could talk to each other, but it had to be very quiet and kind of almost like a whisper. And uh, it, it was his way of getting us focused and just trying to, to stay, I don't know, stay focused on the game and not, not be uh, joking around with each other. So that, I guess that was a little strange, but um, nothing too crazy over there at Idaho State. That's all right. It's unique, that's for sure. Yeah, it um, definitely is. During during my research, I tried to know a little bit about our opponent, and it took a little bit more for Idaho State. But one of the cool things is that Holt Arena, where y'all play football, the home games, is one of the oldest uh, domed arenas in college football. What was it like playing there? Yeah, yes. I actually really enjoyed it um, because it's 70 degrees inside. There's no wind. We ran a... Which is something in Idaho. It is, yeah. I mean, especially late in the year, it's going to be really cold. You know, there's some snowy Saturdays, but it's so nice to be able to just go inside into the dome and have conditions be perfect no matter what the weather is outside. Um, And even though it's not like a huge dome, I want to say it seats about 12,000 people. Mm-hmm. You know that that dome effect makes makes it really loud in there, and so even with a smaller crowd, it you know it, it gets pretty uh, pretty rocking in there with the with the sound. So I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, running a spread offense as a wide receiver, conditions were perfect in there. And what's one of your favorite memories from being on that field? Ooh, good question. Um, well, I, I certainly have to throw in my. Uh, <laughs> My sports center catch. You bet. You uh, self-promote a bit. <laughs> yeah, my, my senior year was actually the first game of the year, and uh, I had a cool little one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone. I ended up being on Sports Center that day, same day as the Nebraska Hail Mary. So that was a good memory. Um, you know, there's a couple other memories of, of teams that we beat. You know, for the first time in over a decade. Um, I think Cal Poly was one. Um, Anyway, you know, we had some really good good wins in that dome, and it was it was a fun time. I always introduce the the folks that I talk to as kind of our tour guides to the city that we're playing. And one of the goofy things I always think about when I think of football is food. What am I going to eat? I know you were never you know a fan of sitting up in the stadium, but just in Pocatello when you were a student, where's the go to place there uh, if we want good food? Uh, there's, there's a couple of different spots. Uh, I'd say there's a couple good, you know, kind of hole in the wall type places, a couple yeah. Mexican restaurants that are open, you know, 24 hours a day where, you know, there, there were nights when, you know, you'd be up at 2am, you'd, you'd crave a burrito, you could just go grab one. Uh, there was one time where I think we took like a group of, uh, like 10 football players who we went to, uh, wingers and ordered probably like a hundred, 150 sticky fingers. Gee. And we basically like boneless wings, and we just we just pounded them down, and it was it was uh, it was kind of a fun fun day there. So, which do you remember um, who ate the most that day? Were you up there? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I am not. I, I mean, I, I'm a big eater, but I'm not the biggest eater on the team. It was probably a couple of linemen who who pounded down fifteen or 20, mm. 20 wings. 
Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story. How did you end up at Idaho State playing football? Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a roundabout thing. Um, out of high school, I was recruited by Idaho State. Um, I actually turned them down because I wanted to go play at BYU. And so I actually went and played a season down at BYU. I walked on and, and uh, was a redshirt freshman there. Uh, I was served a mission. And then after my mission, um, I was back on the BYU football team. And, and you know, it just, just felt like it was going to be a while before I saw playing time. And coincidentally, on my mission, I had one of my companions uh, who I served with mm-hmm. uh, was, a, was a quarterback up at Idaho State. And so he was always always teasing me about coming up and playing ball up there. You play a little you catch on P-Day? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely did. It was a lot of fun. And he convinced me out, you know, after our missions to come up and take a visit and come see what Idaho State was all about. And so I... Ended up doing that. I, you know, I met with the coaches and took a tour of the, you know, the campus. Met all the football guys, and I, just, I don't know. I just felt really good about it. Felt good about making the change. And so I want to say it was uh, spring of 2013 that I, I transferred up to Idaho State and spent uh, spent three seasons up there. And I'm I'm really glad I did. On the field, what's probably Idaho State's biggest rival? What's the game that they get up for every year? So when I was playing, our, I think our rival was definitely Weber State, and they were always the last game of the year. So that, that made it kind of fun, something to look forward to right. the last game. Probably just because they were closest geographically. It was only like you know like a hour and a half, two hour drive to get to to get to Weber. Um, and you guys, so, so that, did you guys take a bus down there as a team? Is there an did, airport yeah. in Pocatello? I guess, yeah. yeah what's... Surprisingly, there is. Okay. There's an so... airport in Pocatello. And so, you know, games are further, like in California, yeah. or, the, you know, there's a North Dakota in our conference. You know, we would definitely fly, and we would fly straight out of Pocatello, which was nice. Okay, good. Yeah, but for a game like Weber, we just drove, you know, a couple big, big buses. Um, I will have to say, though, I'm jealous now because the University of Idaho is now FCS, and they're part of that Big Sky Conference. And so that nowadays has become kind of the, the big rival. And I'm, I'm jealous that I never got the chance to play against the University of Idaho while I was at Idaho State. Yeah, the developing new rivalry there. Um, while you exactly. were on campus, do you remember any other sports catching your eye? Would you go to basketball games um, or soccer games with your buddies? Yeah, yeah. We were definitely always trying to be supportive of the other teams. Um, you know, you see each other so much, you know, in, in the weight room and then just in and around the facilities mm-hmm. that, you know, you want to go support them. So we, we went to a lot of soccer games. Soccer games are typically like Sunday afternoons. So that was nice. We'd play our game on Saturday. We'd be relaxing on Sunday. We'd go watch the, the women's soccer team. Uh, during the winter, we'd watch a lot of basketball. So, yeah, you know, things are going on and we're always trying to be supportive of each other. And that's a big thing they emphasize while we were there. So that, that was fun. And my last question for folks before I let them go is, uh, can you make a little prediction for what's going to happen today? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, tough question. Um, I w- I'll say You're this, allowed to like be loyal. Mentality- you can be a homer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. No, the mentality for, for Idaho State going into a game like this, at least when I was there, the coaches would say, you know what? The pressure is not on us. The pressure is on BYU to to dominate, right? That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to win. So the pressure is off us. We can just relax, go play our game, and, you know, uh, anything can happen. And, you know, every, every year, uh, FBS teams do get beaten by FCS teams. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's rare, but it does happen. And so the mentality for Idaho State is, you know, let's get first downs. Let's just play our game. Let's relax. The pressure's off of us, and we'll see what happens. And so, I, you know, I predict that BYU will win today, but, you know, you, you never know. And did you? <laughs> so en- I'll, just, I'll just say that. As a player, did you enjoy those kind of games where you were a little more relaxed? Like, did you, were you a little looser? Did it work? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually really enjoyed these games um, because at the FCS level, um, your stadiums typically hold about about ten thousand people, and which was which was fun. But this was a chance to go play in front of you know fifty, sixty, or you know seventy thousand people. So it's just kind of a bigger atmosphere, and a chance for us to 
you know, play in front of a bigger crowd on a bigger, bigger setting, bigger stage. And so I, I really enjoy the games. You know, even if we, even if we lost every time, they were still enjoyable um, just because of the, the experience. Madison Mangum was a star wide receiver for the Idaho State Bengals, and we appreciate you coming on the Cougar Tailgate today. All right, thanks for having me, Cole. Appreciate it. When we come back, we will put our focus over on the BYU sideline, but not on a player, per se. That's when we return. Did you know Idaho State has been a part of the big sky in the FCS since the conference founding in 1963? Cosmo is back at it, folks. During a break and play in the first quarter of BYU's victory over Liberty, the national award-winning Cougarettes dance team took the field to entertain the fans, as they do. Their performance was soon crashed by a giant furry mascot joining in on the dance. But it's not a new phenomenon. Two years ago, the internet came to know the name Cosmo the Cougar because of a similar dance routine in a game against Boise State. But unfortunately, even BYU fans aren't as familiar with the name Charlie Bird. Charlie was the skilled dancer inside the Cougar suit, and he is joining me here today on the Cougar Tailgate. Charlie, it's a pleasure. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right, so what do you remember about that that night in 2017, before all the internet happened? What do you remember about the dance? Let's see. I was pretty nervous going in. Um, I mean, when you're in the suit, it's it's restrictive. There's limited visibility. But honestly, mostly, all I can remember is noise. <laughs> it was so loud. I mean... You you have this cougar head on, and there's padding and fur and a bunch of different layers. So usually you can't really hear anything. It's kind of muffled. But as soon as I went out there and hit the first move, it was like... Fans just... It was deafening. It was so loud. And so the next 60 seconds were just this blurry mix of like movement and music and noise. And and then it was over. <laughs> and just as quick as it started, it was over. And yeah. then... And just immediately, the internet grabbed it and just blew it up. What What's it like going viral for the person that, I mean, because we all, we're, we're in 2019, we know what a viral video is, but what's it like for the person that went viral? <laughs> well, I think this experience was interesting because nobody knew it was me. Right. So I came back to school on Monday and people are showing the video. I, I had multiple people in my program be like, oh my gosh, have you seen this video? <laughs> and they show me a video of me and I have to like pretend that i'm like oh no no i haven't seen it <laughs> so that's that's one of my questions and let's interrupt right now though okay um football players are like celebrities on campus yeah but what are the rules about being the cougar because you're underneath the mask and everything else do people not know that you were that guy yeah nobody knew we take like a verbal oath it's not like Whoa. any type of written thing but honestly i think the fact that it's like a verbal oath makes it more it gives it like, it's got lore it's yeah it, it it does <laughs> and i mean obviously cougarettes knew it was me um some people in athletics people on the cheer squad but that was pretty much it and um did my best to keep it under wraps and lie to my friends about where i was on the weekends <laughs> hey you hey charlie you want to go to the game on this, I'm like no nah, no nah, i got a lot of homework oh. <laughs> and then i get back and they're like why do you smell so bad and i'm like uh, I went running. Stressful, <laughs> right? You just get sweaty. <laughs> so yeah, so it's that next morning. All of a sudden, you're going viral. Do pe- people are starting to reach out from like national media things? How do they? How does ESPN find you? Um, they they went through the university. So okay. I, I mean, Cosmo has a coach, and so they either contacted athletics and went through my coach, or um, got involved with the Cougarettes and and um, talked to Jody Maxfield, mm-hmm. the coach of the Cougarettes. So the they just kind of wormed their way, and, and yeah, they're yeah. amazing. Those girls, they work hard. Um, yeah, it, it was cool, and it was, I mean, I don't think I did, I couldn't focus in class for like three weeks, because I was just like looking at Instagram comments and reading articles, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And it was you. And it was me. And then even later on in that season, basketball starts up, and so um, so I'm not up on 
modern music. I will be honest with that. But the song you're dancing to there was Rolex. Right. By Ayo and Teo. And then you got to meet those folks. Yeah, they actually flew in and we did a um, like a performance, a halftime performance at a basketball game a couple months later. Yeah. And so what, what was it like? Did you get to be Charlie or did you have to be the cougar when you were meeting them? So I was Charlie for some of it because cool. it was just them and the Cougarettes. Um, but all the practices, um, we, we did a couple like rehearsal, dress rehearsal run through things in the um, in the Marriott Center. And yeah, I was in the Cougar suit most of the time. But you kind of get used to it. I mean, I did it for three years. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to wearing it and moving around and interacting as Cosmo. Skin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want to I want to admit something to the people that I've never done on the radio before, but my very first job. I've been doing radio since I was 16, oh, yeah? but it's not always been as glamorous as getting to talk to Charlie Bird or getting <laughs> oh, to talk to athletes or getting to talk to anything else. My first gig when I was just like a Saturday guy on the radio was one of the one of the jobs they gave me was to dress up as our station mascot when we went around oh, yeah. into like the different parades the local just bum central pennsylvania parades where every single town's got one and uh-huh. so i had to and and my dancing skills do not compare in the slightest but i had to like move around a little bit and i'll tell you it is it gets hot in there yeah. you weren't kidding about the visibility so take for anyone that hasn't been a mascot like us, Charlie. I'm going to put myself in the okay, category. Okay, I like that. Um, bring people into the suit. What's what's it really like in there? How hot does it get? How much can you see? And what's it smell like? Okay, I'd say it's probably like having a weighted blanket duct taped around all of your limbs. And then you're looking through two straws. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> and it's it, Honestly, the smell... Well, I'm kind of nostalgic, and I, I like the smell because it reminds me of good times. But at the beginning, I was like, I am not about to stick my head into this. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, I, I don't know what they make the fur out of, some kind of synth- synthetic material, and then it just... That does not breathe one bit. It doesn't breathe. And, and I mean, obviously, I washed the suit after every time I did it, but... Mm-hmm. Mine, it was it's the, got a head, musk. the head was so big that I had these little like shoulder straps I had to put on. Like I had to stick my arms through to oh, yeah, keep yeah, yeah. the head on. Uh-huh. Has, have you ever had a mascot snafu where a head popped off or one of the gloves flew off or something goofy? Well, actually, the year after I graduated, um, the successor was doing a a stunt at a during a quarter time out at a football game mm-hmm. and the head flew off. Yep. Yeah. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Actually, it, it was funny. I. I I had talked to him before, and, and I knew he was going to do that. And I was I was thinking about it. I was like, that's a big trick, and I wonder if the head strap's going to hold. And it didn't. And it didn't. <laughs> but he saved it so well. Like, it, it's actually interesting. Like, I don't know how I'm the one that went viral because, like, previous and post mascots are way more talented than I am. Like, this guy, the head flew off. He covered his head, kept his air awareness, and finished, like, a double-twisting double. Right. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> you win. <laughs> yeah, you got your fame. That's all right. These guys, I mean, it takes some serious skill, though, to not only to be doing all these dance moves that you practice and that you're a part of, you know, like you said, you practice with the Cougarettes a bit, but then to also do it in a mascot suit. It's like what they always said about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Like, she was doing everything she he was, doing was everything but in heels. backwards in heels. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're yeah. doing a lot of what they're doing, but with a giant fuzzy head. And... I think that's my favorite comparison yet. Ginger Rogers. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, going back to 2017, right? At, towards the end of that year, ESPN gets a hold of you, right? They go through the all the pathways here at BYU, and you get to go on stage at the College Football Awards with another mascot, with the Oregon Duck. Yeah. Do you guys, like, do mascots have this little fraternity of, of brothers where you, you get to talk and compare notes on what your mascot life is like? I wonder if I'm about to expose the Oregon Duck. Okay, not too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so I went in, yeah, it, it was awesome. ESPN contacted us and... Um, flew me out for the College Football Awards show, which was especially amazing for the 2017 season because the I'm, I love BYU football, but they they didn't have a great season that year. Yeah, I mean you you and had a better time on the field. It, it was just that interesting year, that the BYU was represented there so so heavily. We got a lot of airtime, but I went in and I was expecting to like. Um, hate the Oregon duck you yeah. know because like he was the rival and was like stealing our dance basically like th- this idea i mean cosmo was the first one to really bring mascot dancing to like an 
a national level. And there were a lot of copycat mascots, and the Oregon Duck was the biggest copycat. I mean, Oregon's a big team, has a huge following. Mm-hmm. So I show up, and uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'll just say it, whatever. <laughs> so I get in the room, and I'm like waiting to meet the duck, and there's this girl and the Oregon Duck was actually a girl. Whoa. And she was amazing. And it was just funny because we immediately clicked and became best friends. So the whole weekend that we were supposed to be pitted against each other, we were just like hanging out, going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it was all stage. It was... <laughs> yeah, we had so much fun. And uh, I mean, I'm still really good friends with her, um, talk occasionally. But yeah, she, she's really impressive. And again, what you were saying, like I was doing the dancing in the mascot suit. I mean, I don't know. I'm just more impressed by her than me, honestly. Because like the, the ducks have got a little bit of like, yeah. circle around the waist. Well, it's too. funny because because the the way the Cosmo suit is designed, it's to be like athletic and it's it's like thinner than most mascot suits and it's not right. goofy. Right. But she's out here dancing in these like size sixteen <laughs> duck feet, yep. <laughs> like these webbed paddles, and I was like, wow. Um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. It was fun to be on air. Um, met a lot of really cool people. Um, some like historically famous coaches and cool players and had a really good time in Atlanta. So now let us get to know, we, we now know Cosmo the Cougar, but let us get to know the guy behind it for a second. Charlie, what was your major in BYU? What were you doing for fun when you weren't sweating and dancing up a storm and getting millions of followers on social media? <laughs> well, when I wasn't in the mascot suit, I was always hiking. Okay. I, that's like half the reason I love Utah is because the hikes here are incredible. There's so many national parks and state parks. And I had, when I was in, in school, I had a really good group of friends and we would go do rock climbing or go on like weekend backpacking trips and camp. Um, I studied global supply chain management, which well, is relatively new major. Everyone's like, what is that? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's So you weren't a dance major. No. That surprises me. No, I actually don't really have much dance background other than like church youth dances where I was a loser in high school. Which everyone was in the high school. Yeah, it's funny because like everyone at like um, EFY and state conference um, – <clears throat> They want like a slow dance so they can dance with their crush. And I'm like, yo, let's let's keep it bouncing. Come (laughs) on. (laughs) Bump the track. I'm ready to go. Um, But yeah, global supply chain, um, logistics, distribution, like operations management. And after graduating, I moved out to New York City and have been working for um, like a logistics consulting role in a firm. Lots of travel. I love to travel, get around. Is Cosmo a scholarshiped athlete? You do a lot. Like, what does Cosmo do during the course of a week? You got a lot of practice you were talking about. You have your own coach. Yeah, there's practice. Um, It kind of depends on the week. I mean, there's a lot of the most meaningful thing about being Cosmo for me was um, like community outreach appearances that I would do. We paired up with the Mascot Miracles Foundation, which works with um, mostly kids and youth with disabilities or um, chronic illness. And there's a lot of hospital visits or like it's almost kind of like a Make-A-Wish Foundation type of thing where um, they'd pair me with with a big fan and I'd spend the day either like riding go-karts or going bowling with with a kid who just has really been given a really hard lot in life. And um, I I loved doing that. And I missed that a lot, actually. It was it was very fulfilling, but very heartbreaking at the same time and really um, sobering. And, And it made me reflect on, you know just how amazing it is that I have a body that is, you know, functional and can do what I want it to do when I want. And, um, I don't know, it it was, it was cool to be able to reach out and build community that way. Then there's always like, go help deliver pizzas at the Wilk. And I'm just like, (laughs) Oh gosh, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Those kind of easy public. Yeah. yeah, But I mean, that's, that's part of the game. You know, if you want to perform at halftime, you got to deliver pizzas at the Wilk and, (laughs) And and it's fun to be able to interact with people at different levels and in different locations. And you miss it a little, just a little. I bit. miss it a lot. Yes, yeah. I do. Well, we've been speaking with Charlie Bird. He was the mascot Cosmo the Cougar during some of the prime years of of national recognition for here at BYU. Thank you again for coming on the Cougar Tailgate today. Yeah, of course. Thank you. The mascot's job and one that Charlie did so well is to hype up the fans. When we come back, we'll be talking about a couple of the more interesting gimmicks that have been around to get fans into the seats. That's coming up next. 
Did you know in the span of three years, between 1979 and 1981, the Bengals went from winless to Division I AA national champions? back to the Cougar Tailgate, I'm Cole Wissinger. If you've made your way over to Cougar Canyon this morning, and you still got a little time before the game starts, you might notice a giant pirate ship, which makes total sense this morning because the Cougars and the Bengals are going to play each other on the field. Right. Um, But it it does make a little bit of sense, and it's our BYU radio friends that are over there swabbing the decks to promote Treasure Island 2020. It's a new podcast that you can find only right here on BYU Radio. little cross-promotion. Never hurt nobody. But, guys, it's a cold morning, and BYU fans assume a comfortable win, so sometimes you gotta do a little extra to get your fans out. Dollar hot dogs or free t-shirts or normal promotions— or, you know, a giant pirate ship sitting outside the stadium. But our producer, Terry, has a few even weirder fan appreciation stunts, to put it kindly, gimmicks, what have you, to have, talk about. Have you seen the pirate ship? I haven't seen it yet this morning. I drove by this morning, and I you was trying it? to kind of look down, but, you oh, know, was, traffic, yeah. they're trying to move you through the intersection. I'm trying to look down Cougar Canyon, see if I could see the pirate ship. It's our colleagues that are right. po- quite possibly dressed up as pirates, so... If if you're out there and you see someone, be kind to them. My responsibilities keep me from venturing over to look at it. Oh, so hopefully there's photographs and we can we can see what the pirate ship looks like. But there has been a long history of fan giveaways to try to entice people to come to the the field, the ballpark, the basketball court, whatever. They're trying to get people out to watch the sport. A lot of these uh, promotions end up being minor league teams that are trying to attract people to come on out. You have bobbleheads and t- free T-shirts and inflate those inflatable baseball bats. Have you ever seen those? Oh, sure. Yeah. Or at basketball games, they get the two inflatable just stick-looking things right. that you smack together like to distract people. Somehow that's going to distract people. Like sure. free hot dog night, food giveaway is a big one. Uh, you just want to fill the seats because your team otherwise is not going to fill them. Well, yeah, and when you're playing like the Toledo Mud Hens, you're like, yeah, who's on the team? You, you can't. The star power isn't going to draw you in because minor league players and all that. So, exactly. Uh, you have to make it some other kind of uh, event. One of the most disastrous ones. Yes, let's start. Start here. <laughs> the Chicago White Sox in 1979 did disco demolition. The promotion was the death of disco. And it worked. They were going to just, disco is over, we're going to ruin it, and it's just going to it's gonna die a, a, a slow and needed death that night. And the socks weren't doing so hot, and they had a doubleheader anyway, and they were like, how do we get people to stick around in between games? Hey, let's take advantage of that hour-long break, come onto the field, and just smash some, some records. records. They brought and disco records, and then, I probably had paraphernalia of disco-related. Yeah. They had a steamroller, I think, at one point, and they tried to destroy it. They blew it up. There was an ex- actual explosion. but It they, got out of hand. It turned into kind of some riot-type situations. Police officers were called in. People were, like, punched in the face. There's all kinds of wow. video you can watch. Yeah. It went horribly wrong. It was probably a good idea. It probably... It probably worked well because in general society, disco wasn't really embraced at that point. It was getting old, and so they wanted to end it. And And it was a radio guy's fault. I remember this because I've been in radio so long. It was a rock rock and roll DJ that had a thing against disco because as any true rock and roller would in 1979 – he kind of, he in local Chicago. He was the one that kind of pushed disco demolition. It hit the White Sox and it, it got a little out of control. Yeah, and so there was uh, the it was bad. Like peace. Yes. If you watch the videos, there's lots of documentaries and stuff about it because it's such a monumental mistake. Yes, there's pieces of turf being thrown around, and there so were fires. It was it was crazy. So yes. look it up. It's something to watch. So there's a bunch of other ones less harmful. Night uh, and. Uh, 2011, the Seattle Mariners. Okay. Yeah, this is a – in 2011, Ichiro is still playing. I would go see the Mariners. I don't need to be persuaded. So it says six Northwest Northwest sports franchises. They don't name them, but Seattle Mariners, some other sports franchises, okay. formed the Green Sports Alliance. Ooh, nice. The Mariners emphasize com- conservation to their fans. 
Okay. Right? And in doing so- Carpool to the game tonight. Stuff like that. Well, as a giveaway, they distributed, as they have here, they had free compost night. Okay. Now, compost is when you take your trash- yeah. Certain types of trash. And you put it into a bin. And the you smelliest let it, kind of you trash. You let it rot. Yeah. And then you can use that as fertilizer. But you, I don't know how a free giveaway, you're just handing out bags of compost to people. And it was compost made out of trash from the stadium. Oh. Right? So they're, yeah. they're being conservationists. They're so, taking their trash and reusing it. Did they give this to me at the beginning of the game or on my way out? Like, did I have to sit through an entire nine innings with compost sitting at my feet? And- I don't know. It does not say. That sounds awful. But it just seems like a horrible, horrible giveaway. So, But there are worse. There are worse. <laughs> it keeps going. Um, Coco Crisp. Remember Coco Crisp? Yeah. He was a, a baseball player, right? For the Indians right? at when some he, point. The Oakland A's did a Coco Crisp Chia Pet Day. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but I imagine they had a custom order for a Chia Pet, which is, of course... You had like either an animal or it later turned into different characters that had their hair kind of growing as a plant. Well, and in his younger days when he was playing for the athletics, it's because he had quite the afro. As they say, a prolific afro. Yes. That's a good description. So that's why the Chia Pet worked. The hat, I mean, did they have the hat on it as well and the Chia just kind of grew out the sides? Because that's the best Coco Crisp Again, no picture, but if you look up Coco Crisp (laughs) on the athletics, that's the picture you find. Um, Let's see here. Apparently there was great demand for Tampa Bay Rays had had a coach named Don Zimmer. Okay. He was a coach on the Yankees. Then he transferred around to other teams. Ended up on Tampa Bay. He was such a like a lovable sort of piece of the team that they made a bobblehead night Aww. for Don Zimmer. And you could come and get a Zim bear. And what it was was his face on the body of a bear. Yes. Which was odd. But they had to make an extra 10,000 of them because of the demand. <laughs> so they had to have a second Zimmer bobblehead night. Which is odd because the it's, sequel it's, because it's a bobblehead yeah. of a, your third base coach on go. a bear when you're the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, let's see. Remember the rally squirrel? I remember rally caps. St. Louis Cardinals in 2011 went to the World Series, and they. I don't know if the squirrel ran on the field or for some reason ended up as like a billboard uh, up on the big like, jumbotron thing. But it yeah. was a. It was the rally squirrel. It's, it's like if they, that black cat a couple weeks ago all of a sudden spawned a Cowboys Super Bowl run right. or something. So like it's that. his facing elimination against the Phillies in the postseason opening round. The furry little critter interrupted a Skip Shoemaker attempt at bat by dashing across home plate. His or her brief appearance energized the audience, and the team held on for a 5-3 victory. So from that point on, the rally squirrel was important to the Cardinals. They made rally towels, which is just with a, the squirrel's it's a towel face with on a him? picture of a squirrel on it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be worth something someday. The coolest thing about the weirdest promotions is that fans get weird about it. Like these hyper collectors yeah. are going to have like a place devoted in their basement for as many rally squirrel towels and the, bear heads. Here's an example. The Schomburg boomers. I'm not sure where Schomburg is. We assume is a baseball team. Yes. And a boomer would be, uh, they call it a prairie chicken. It's kind of a grouse quail looking type bird. Okay. boomer. Well, they had a giveaway that they said was sure to go fast a crowd of 2,000 people fought tooth and nail for the 1,500 prairie chicken heads. <laughs> it was just the head of this bird. Now, not real, probably plastic or something, yeah. but they're just handing out heads. It wasn't like they're handing out a bird or some sort of – it was just the head of a bird, and people fought for these things. So. I think this is an economics lesson hidden in sports where it doesn't matter what the supply and demand is. If there's a limited supply – there will be high demand. The Hudson Valley Renegades, probably a minor league baseball team, they had toilet seat night. See, there's something practical. It's not just a bobblehead sitting on my shelf. I'm going to use a toilet seat. They said the season before they had a plunger night, a toilet plunger night. So you had a matching set if you were a frequent Eventually I'll get a toilet brush, right? And I, then... I guess. It would just go on. Uh, Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. See, now that I've heard of. 1977 World Series, his performance was legendary the next year for opening day a uh, standard brands which is a confectionery company made a, ca- a candy bar bar called the reggie bar it was as it says here a circular treat 
of caramel-dipped peanuts inside a chocolate shell. Is this before or after the baby? Baby, baby Ruth. Well, the baby Ruth is like the 30s, I baby think, Ruth, yeah. or whatever. But so they made their candy bar, and he went on and hit a uh, what? He hit a home run in the early innings, and people just threw the candy bar on the field. Oh, so, instead of eating it, kind of the wrong option. But again, there's this there's a theme in in sports when you give fans projectiles, they tend to use them as such. Yeah, right? I, I mean, I remember anytime you're giving away cheap beer and something bad goes on. It They're kind of already in fuels the fuels the bad behavior, of, yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. you give people like a candy bar, they can throw something and they tend to throw things. See, so. in hockey, that's a fun thing because when your guy scores a hat trick, you right. take the hat from your head and just toss it out onto the ice. And then hockey does something cool with that. They, they end up normally giving the hats to like a shelter. Right. Or, or they have that, they have a toy night like towards Christmas time that you bring a yeah, stuffed animal you toss and they it throw out. it on. Yeah. They put it in the Salvation Army cauldron. T- Tennessee, they throw they catfish. Oh, that's different. Yeah, and then what? Detroit for a while. I don't know if they do anymore. They throw squid. Yeah, people throw squids I do on the ice. That. So yeah. stuff like that. People throw a lot of things. Uh, San Antonio Missions. That's a minor league baseball team. In 1997, held a used car night. Hey, see, so I can get behind that. You come in. You get. You put your. You you enter into the raffle, and then they give away one, maybe two or three used cars. Okay. Problem is, I don't know. <laughs> What's, How the, what's the quality of this vehicle? And now you're stuck with this lemon, essentially. It's better than a hat. I don't know. Maybe. It, it would get me to the game if I was in local San Antonio. The Lowell Spinners had a bubble wrap night. They were trying to set a world record for the most people simultaneously popping bubble wrap at the same time. So you can hear it from space. Which is redundant simultaneously and at the same time. But yeah. I said it anyways. Uh-huh. The record, according to reports, 3,692 people. So they needed to get more than that in their stands. That's what they, yeah, they had, well, that that's how many people were there in attendance popping bubble oh, wrap. Oh, so they have the record. They, they accomplished it. Well, someone probably already passed it. It was yeah. 1997, 3,000 people, 4,000 people. That's not a hard number to hit, right? Yeah. So um, it, the product's 50th anniversary celebration also included a bubble ramp, a bubble wrap dance floor. Okay. Do you like bubble wrap? A lot of people really dig the bubble wrap. Sure. There's a, like a cathartic effect of just ah that feels good popping things like that it does but i'm not a big noise fan and so i like it when i'm popping the bubble wrap but if three thousand nine hundred of my closest friends all around me are also doing it right then that's fine i have two more i can take it or leave it the charleston river dogs again another minor league baseball trying to ramp up the interest right they had vasectomy night how'd that go um they said it was canceled so they didn't have vasectomy. Probably night. wasn't going over well, and so people just, you know, probably made more jokes than actual like promotion. Um, but the whole point was one lucky fan, one lucky fan would have gotten an all expenses paid vasectomy. See, I would want a T-shirt that says "I survived vasectomy night" with the right. Charleston whatever the heck there. But apparently, there was just so many complaints, <laughs> they had to stop it. So. But then again, they also the team was also uh, plagued by other issues. They locked their paying fans outside the stadium at one point. So their promotions and marketing team needs a little work. Tampa Bay Rays had a cowbell night in 2006, so that made the stadium loud. Yeah. Probably quite annoying, so I don't know how that worked. Uh, Florida Marlins did a mini Vuvuzela night. Another just noise-making. The Vuvuzela kind of looks like, um, I was, do you remember the snow sticks? Yeah. You're a kid, just a stick, you stick the plastic in the snow, makes a little snowball, but you, you know, play like a little horn that's annoying, played them during the World Cup, right? Uh, the last one, this one is also kind of famous, lots of YouTube videos, cash drops. Yeah, see, this I've never heard. So you bring the fans, select number of fans, or however many you want, out to the middle of the field, you bring a helicopter in, oh. over the top, and then you drop bags of money, like ones, fives, whatever. The and problem they is they get the caught. Death? They get caught in the wash, oh, okay. and so the money's just flying everywhere, and everyone's going nuts trying to grab dollar bills as they're flying around. <laughs> so it's like the giant baseball-sized version of being in one of those tiny little shower stalls, yes. trying to grab money as it floats around. So you. as it says, the helicopter carrying about a thousand dollars in cash was flown to the field when Class A Detroit Tigers affiliate, uh, what the West Michigan Whitecaps. Climbed to within one game of 500. 
Oh, so boy. They were celebrating, right? Mayhem ensued. According to USA Today, a seven-year-old boy was hospitalized after being trampled. Oh. A girl of the same age suffered a bloody lip because people are just pushing and shoving. If the white caps are so interested in compensating their fans, they surely could have devised a safer method for handing out $1,000 in cash. So probably not the best way to do it. It causes a riot. But they also want that visual effect of watching everyone go nuts. So I'm not sure how you achieve both without little kids getting trampled. I but. think the good news here is that a pirate ship mm. will not cause any Black Friday level no. stomping or Ho- trampling. Hopefully or We can only <laughs> hope. Well, thank you, Terry. I always enjoy when I learn something new and weird about the goofy world of sports. We're under 10 minutes from kickoff now, folks. We'll come back and wrap up the show right after this. Did you know only the Houston Astrodome is an older indoor sports stadium in the United States than Holt Arena on the campus of Idaho State University? I'm Cole Wissinger. This is the Cougar Tailgate. And thanks once again to the amazing guests we've had on. Always, we hear from producer Terry South and what he's been thinking up about around college sports. And also today, Madison Mangum, former wide receiver for the Idaho State Bengals, and Charlie Bird, former Cosmo the Cougar. I haven't mentioned it yet on this show, but it is the 150th year of college football. Ding. One of the many lists to celebrate the occasion was put out by ESPN recently honoring the top 10 mascot moments of the past century and a half. There were a lot of live animals running amok, Pratt Falls, and one embarrassing incident involving a t-shirt cannon. But the only mascot doing something cool on the whole dang list was there at number one, and it was Cosmo Dancing back in 2017. So just one more shout out goes to Charlie and the Cougarettes, BYU Social Media, and everyone else that brought that amazing moment to us and into the national spotlight. That about wraps up the show today. Kickoff's coming up on BYURadio.org and Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio. You've been listening to the Cougar Tailgate on BYU Radio. I'm Cole Wissinger. Get in touch with the show at our email address. It's cougartailgate at gmail.com. Cougar, T-A-I-L, gate, gmail.com. And let us know about your fan experience. This is a show for the fans, and we want to represent you. So let us know how we're doing. Remember to check out the podcast feed wherever you get podcasts. It is almost game time versus Idaho State. Go Cougs! <laughs>